somebody's gotta know a podcast where we have questions and somebody's gotta have answers hey everybody hello um real quick caveat because i don't know if you can hear that but we are at my house today and we're in a room where the dogs can't get to us and sprocket the doberman is freaking out He's crying. He's crying like someone's trying to murder him because he's a... I don't know if any of you have ever interacted with Dobermans. This is very on par character-wise. He hates being alone. It's a bit like if a dog was to deliver a tragic Shakespearean monologue (laughs) to a large audience. Yeah. And also, obviously, the bird is here, so if you hear that. I was going to start listing all the other animals, and I was like, well, they're not making noises, it might be. Thomas might. Thomas is a rat, and he's in the same room as us. So he, he has a little bell in his cage that it's possible he'll ring. But everybody else should be quiet. Yeah. We're good. Um, good. Cool. How are you doing, Aaron? I am well. Um, let's see. It's a Wednesday, hump day. I was looking out the window at the snow that is falling, because it's quite lovely this evening. I think it would be lovely if it was January, but it's March 9th. March! It's not even spring yet. Mad about the snow. I don't know what to tell you. You lived in New Hampshire your whole life. I lived in Nashville for a year. And that's it? That, like, changed you forever? Like, it's gonna snow like this until April. I've always felt this way about the snow. I get mad as soon as January is over if there's still snow and it is still cold. I'm angry. Until, like, mid-April when everything finally melts. April is the cruelest month, said Robert Frost. I disagree. That's when I was born. Oh, that's right. But you were born in late April. Did you forget my birthday? No. Okay. I, if you ask Miss Congeniality, I was born on the best date. During the... the no, I know, but okay. I, I was thinking, I think, doesn't she say... His question is, does he say, what's your idea of the perfect date? And she says, April 25th, because it's not too hot and it's not too cold. You can just wear a light jacket. That's when I was born. All you need is a light sweater. I have a story. Um, okay. I was bullied twice today, and both times involved our dear friend Alexa. All right, I'm ready. I'm ready for the story. Um, for those of you who don't know Alexa, we went to college with her. She's a bit eccentric, and she teaches English at the high school where I am a guidance counselor. And she likes to utilize her TAs so the kids in our school can TA after, I think, freshman year for community service hours, which they are required to get to graduate. Yes. So they don't get credit, class credit for it, but they get their community service hours. Right, that's um, nice. That's actually a nice system. That's yeah, I like it. But Alexa has decided that her TAs must earn those hours, and so she sends them on errands to bother me. And she sent two young boys today to my office with a note that it was a crudely drawn picture of hands in sparkly scented gel pens. Okay. That's not the most Alexa pen. It is. Um, and it had little wiggly lines coming off the top, and it said, you have the cheese touch. Oh, no. <laughs> No. Which is another whole story in itself because we had a debate about how to eat string cheese. Um, and apparently she doesn't like that I, I peel it, so I touch the cheese. Whoa, stop. She bites her string cheese. No, you peel the strings off the string cheese. We asked literally every faculty member in our school. Majority was in my favor. Okay, good. 
I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry, Alexa. I love you, but you. No, we've been fighting about this for forty eight hours. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. So I touched the cheese. <laughs> yeah. So you have the cheese touch, and then she told me my hands smelled, so I kept sticking them in her face and making her sniff my fingers. I am a toddler, but back to today. <laughs> Um, that, that wasn't, that wasn't what this is about. That was a side quest. We're, we're still going. Okay. Um, then there's more. The same two boys I said, please tell Alexa that this is bullying and she cannot, I said, please tell Miss Keo. We don't go by our first names and I have to keep reminding myself of that. I said, please tell her that this is bullying and she can't use students to bully me. And they said noted and went back. And then roughly 15 minutes later, they showed back up in my class, in my office with two cheese sticks. Mozzarella string cheese sticks. That they bought from the school store. They said that Alexa gave them money to buy them and told them to tell me I was grubby. (laughs) Then went, we don't know what that word means. So I went down to her classroom and I said, please stop bullying me. And she is trying to convince me that the two boys did this of their own volition and spent their own money on cheese sticks to give to me to continue bullying. Which Which is possible, but I told her, regardless, she sparked it by giving them a note calling me names and telling them the cheese stick story. So either way, she has decision-making skills. These children are 14 or 15. They do not. So either way, this is her fault in the long run. Um, then, so that was, the, that was the entire first time I was bullied today. This happened between, like, 11 and 11.30. At noon, I was going to observe one of her classes because I'm currently in the process of observing all of our elective classes, and one of hers is um, creative writing. And I'm just like, not not anything for her, just so I can understand our curriculum better. Yes. And one of her students, I have a bit of a history with in that we kind of clicked on the first day, and now she bullies me in the same way that like I would bully you, like almost in a friendly way. Okay, yes. Um, but it's not like I can't let her because she is a student and I am an a educator. Um, and she asked me, what did she, oh, she said, if you could be any kind of bird, what would you be? Okay, that's a good question. Except Alexa was in the middle of her lecture and the oh. student got up from her seat, pulled her seat over to where I was, sat next to me and went, I have a question. And I said, is this related to class? And she went, kind of. And I said, okay, go ahead. Was not related to class. I don't know if you can hear a raven barking in the background, so sorry, guys. I don't know. Oh, Romy's probably on her cage. Romy gets on top of her crate and she freaks out. But anyways, back to being bullied. And I said, I cannot answer this right now. You need to go back to your seat and pay attention. And she sat next to me and kept going, have you thought of something? Have you thought of something? Have you Um. thought of something? And I went, what is it going to take? And she said, if you answer my question, I will go back to my seat and I will focus for the rest of class. And I went, all right, pelican. First bird I thought of. That's the first bird you thought of? She made fun of me for the rest of class and I said, I'm changing my answer. That was impulsive. I thought about it. I would be a crow. They're very intelligent. A group is called a murder. And she went, yeah, and they eat dead things. So I can't win. I have the cheese touch and I pick bad birds, apparently. And that's about how I was bullied today. Wow. Okay. I'm sorry that happened to you. Setting boundaries is difficult. However. It was pretty funny. It's a pretty great question. Like, it's a really good conversation <laughs> Okay, starter. so what kind of bird would you be? Any bird. All right. Let me think for a second. Um, first of all, crow. Great answer. Thank you. Pelican, I understand, was weird. But... No, but... Oh, 
also pelican though was a good answer like pelicans can you imagine if your mouth just extended you know how many snacks I could keep on me at all times? I know. Times? I know. It's like a pocket in my throat. I think pelicans might actually be a little endangered, if I'm not mistaken. Well, shit. Because they, the way that they eat food, because they just, they scoop up a lot oh, of things. Oh, they're eating a lot of garbage, They pick they? up a lot of garbage. And I think their nests float for some reason. Like, I think they build nests I that, feel like, like that's float correct. on the water. Um... Anyway, no, pelicans are inter- like they're interesting birds. Uh, fr- frightening. Like I have you seen those memes of pelicans trying to eat and everything? Yeah. Like there's a meme of like a pelican trying to eat a capybara. <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah. Do you know who Hank Green is? Yeah. He's really because into pelicans. You. Oh, I've had this discussion. He's very into pelicans. And he has See, a fish that he draws that he calls the hangler fish. Like, it's an angler fish, but it kind of looks like him. Starts with an H. Hank. Angler. I got it. I'm with you. Um, all right, but you'd be a crow. Okay, let me think about this. If I was a bird, my instinctive response is a robin. I can see that. Or, I don't want to just say a dove, because I think there's this particular kind of dove that, like, lives in New Hampshire. But a morning dove. A morning dove. Yes. They That's made, what lives in New Hampshire. They made for life. Oh. I know. My third thought was blue jay because they are bullies. I don't know if any of you know this, but a blue jay doesn't make its own nest. It kicks other birds. No, it doesn't kick them out. It will kick other birds' eggs out of their nest, lay its own, and then leave. So it's a bad parent. It's a bully. It tricks someone else into raising its giant-ass kid. And it repeats the process. And you identify with this bird. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. A little bit. If you could be any kind of bear, what kind of bear would you be? Oh, um... Koala doesn't count because they're a rodent. Thank you for specifying. So I tend to lean towards the things that live in the places that I like to live in, but if we're just going off of, like... Those dogs are being ridiculous. The dogs are being a little ridiculous. They'll calm down in a few minutes. They'll give up. Well, this is just the... This is introductory. This is a good time for them to expel their energy... When Jason comes home, they'll be fine. That's the issue, is my fiancé is not home, and so they feel that they've been abandoned and can still hear us talking. So the bear I fear I feel closest to would be a black bear. Mm-hmm. Because I've, I've seen a black bear a couple times, like, in the woods, and they are... You don't want one near your house. Like, they should be in the woods. They shouldn't be near your house, but they are so beautiful. Um, it's... They're, like, not a very dangerous... Bear, unless they have cubs, they like to snack, they like to sleep, and they just want to have a good time. That is Aaron Bennett in a bear. Yes! However, And they're a matriarchal bear. Ah, see? All up my alley. My only other option would be a panda bear, because I also enjoy rolling around in the snow. And eating leaves. And eating leaves. I like both those things. (laughs) I think I would be a brown bear, um, because they're slightly bigger. And they're slightly more aggressive, but otherwise share the qualities of the black yes. bear. Yes! <laughs> and that is us. <laughs> okay, I'm the brown bear, you're the black... Otherwise, no, I'm the black bear, you're the brown you're bear. You're little. I'm And small. soft. And I'm... Little and soft. I will growl at you if you come on my land. But you still, like, look cute, though. Like, yes. you still look like, you know, I, I want to touch it. I want to touch it. That's the problem with the black... I mean, I once... When we were living in our last apartment, 
there was a windy road that led up to this like wooded area that you drove through. It was kind of a cut through to get back to town. And one day, one misty, rainy day, Aaron and I went for a walk. And I was looking, I was looking elsewhere. I was like looking at a river as we were crossing it. And I like stopped to look at it. And Aaron was still looking up at the road. And all of a sudden I felt him like turn around. And he was like, don't look back. We're just walking back to the apartment now. Aaron, I'm definitely going to look back if you say that to I me. I know. And I was like, and so I don't know what I thought was there, but I, was, but I don't know what this says about me, but I just like, if Aaron says that to me, I just trust him. That's good. It means that um, your relationship is sturdy. So I, so I said, really? Like, I really shouldn't turn around? And he was like, okay, y- y- you can turn around now after we'd walked a little bit. And I turn around and there was this black bear just sitting on its bum in the middle of the road. Just like, See, he knew that if he let you turn around earlier, you would have tried to pet it. It was really close to us, and it just watched us walk away, and then it padded away through someone's garden back to the woods. That's the thing with them, is they're, like, very curious. They are genu- genuinely more afraid of you than you are of them. The only time you have to worry is, is when the babies are real little, because even when the babies get a little bit bigger, the moms will let them fuck up. They'll, like, let them walk up to people and be like, find out what happens. Like, they're close enough where, like, if you tried to touch them or hurt them, the mom would appear. But they're like, I don't know. Let's see. You're going to be an adult soon? Figure it out. Yeah. Like all good New England parents. (laughs) (laughs) Walk up to that stranger. See what happens. Everyone in this state carries ammunition. Yeah. You go down that ski hill. Give it a try. We'll see. The, The snow will cushion you. It's good. All right. That was all good. I just really enjoyed that. Me too. I'm glad something good came out of Alexa bullying me. <laughs> Great things. Uh, I'm sure Alexa did this out of only love and affection for you. Well, the best part is the two kids that she sent down aren't, like, the best behaved kids. Like, they're not, like, bad kids. But they, they have too much energy and they would prefer to slack off than do their work. Sure, sure. I know um, the type. I know the type. Yeah. So... She keeps asking people, she'll say their names and she'll go up to like another faculty member or teacher and say, hey, do you know these two kids? And they'll go, yeah, I've had them. And she'll go, would you say that they have a penchant for mischief? And everyone's like, yeah, of course they do. And I'll go, okay, would you say Miss Keogh has a penchant for mischief? And they're all like, we don't want to answer that. <laughs> I'm like, because she fucking does. <laughs> and when Alexa, how long have I known you? And she goes, Sof- my sophomore year of college. And I said, what year was that? And she told me. And I said, so... I think it was, like, seven years. You know, you think I don't know you, but... Like, you can't lie to me at this point. I can... She's the world's worst liar. She won't make eye contact. She smiles the whole time, and she talks like this with her hands when she's lying. So she kept going, Hannah, I don't know why you think this is me. And I was like, because you're doing all your tells. You also love finding out if someone's telling a lie, though. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but she for sure is. Okay. I, I, I mean... Also knowing Alexa, I think there is truth to what you are saying as an impartial impartial judge of the situation. Um, I mean, I got two cheese sticks out of it, so who's the real winner here? She did it all as a trick to get you to have a nice, healthy <laughs> snack in the middle of the day. No, that's what you would do. That's what I would do. No, I wouldn't. There'd be no tricks. I would just... Appear. Sometimes I'm a, like, if I ever decided someday to pursue being a high school English teacher, like I think about sometimes, I would have to, I would spend half my salary on snacks because I'd be so nervous these children were hungry. Like, 
One of the things that Alexa did for her creative writing class is she bought a bag of lemons and toothpicks and told the kids to turn the lemons into a character and write about it. And I would like to say, you bought lemons for your class, and she went, $15 worth. Beautiful. I love that. I thought it was fun. All right, everyone. If you use that in your life, you have to credit our friend Alexa Keogh. I don't know if she found it online, though. Well, I don't know either, so I'm trusting Alexa as being a creative person. Oh, one last thing about the class today, and then we can, like, get into real stuff. She was, um... The next genre they're going into is horror, so she was showing nice. scary pictures. And she had, like, a spider and a snake and a clown. And then she just had a slide that said, student loan debt. <laughs> she and I couldn't find a picture to depict this, so I just wrote it. Just scaring them early? I guess that's smart. And someone said, Miss Keo, do you have student loan debt? And she just, like, rolled her eyes and kept going. Like, yeah, of course. Child, all of your teachers have student loan debt. <laughs> Teaching doesn't pay you enough to pay them off. Um, wow. Okay. That was lovely. Do you want to know what we're talking about today? Yes. I'm going to teach you all about the prohibition. Oh my god! (laughs) I I recently went down a YouTube rabbit hole. Oh my god! And ended up on a video called, it's a YouTube channel called Oversimplified, and so like, today I watched one from their channel about like, the Civil War, and it basically gives you like, however many years of history in t- 30, 10 to 30 minutes. Okay. And I ended up watching the Prohibition one, and I didn't realize all these things about it. So I was like, this is interesting. I would like to look more into these people, and the best outlet for this would be to do it on the podcast. I am very excited. I have to admit, I am happily surprised we were diving into this little bit of history. So, in celebration of there no longer being a prohibition, I am drinking alcohol this episode. I feel like it's the only way to talk about the prohibition. Should I be drinking alcohol? Would you like... We can pause. I I have a summer shanty in there if you'd like a beer. Pause, folks. I have to participate. All right. We're back. We're back. We have alcohol to celebrate the prohibition. Excuse me. (laughs) Um, and bubbly burps to go with it so as many people know the prohibition went from 1920 to 1935 and it was the outlawing of alcohol it was the 18th amendment um in the united states in the united states uh it's when hoover and fdr were president is when this all happened so just like a really brief no thank you yes quick fact to Um, locate us in time i wouldn't have known Um, but we're going to do some pre-history and then we'll get into kind of how the 18th Amendment came to be and then how it was, um, eradicated. Okay. So in early American history, um, the Puritans arrived and they brought us lots and lots of beer. Americans have been drinking since. It got kind of out of hand for a while and in the mid to late 1800s, women saw that all of the drinking was doing what all the drinking was doing to the men, and said, hey, what if we cut back a little? And the men basically said, no, fuck off, uh, and kept on drinking. They drank at work. (laughs) They drank in the morning. (laughs) They drank in the evening. They drank in their free time. They went to saloons. I was going to say, this is like saloon time. This is like cowboy. They were wasted all the time. America was in a perpetually drunken state. Can you give me a year again? So this is pre... This is mid to late 1800s. Oh, okay. Okay, so we're talking like... 
So the first 1850 like 1850 to 1890. Yeah, the first like solid okay. year that we have in a couple lines is 1874. Okay. Um, so they weren't like helping out at home. They weren't very present. They weren't going to church. They were drunk. And when they were in the saloons, the women weren't allowed to be in the saloons with them. There was like a societal boundary between men and women unless you were married. That was very like floozy. Don't do that. Scandalous. Um, don't be drunk together at all unless you're married. Um, so. Women, undeterred from the men saying fuck off, started protesting drinking and saloons. They started in Ohio specifically, but it spread throughout the U.S. They marched through cities, they knelt and prayed in streets outside of saloons, etc., etc. Peaceful protests. They chanted, they sang, they prayed. Uh, They were hosed down while praying. They were threatened with violence. One guy pulled a cannon on them and said, if you don't leave, I will blast this at you. And they refused to budge. He did not fire the cannon. Uh, they refused to give up. So women are pretty badass. They're like, you're not going to be home. You're not going to help me out. Fuck all of you. I will force you to. Uh, so due to all of this movement, in 1874, the Women's Christian Temperance Union, WCTU, was formed. The WCTU set up homes for inebriated women and rehabilitated them. They set up water fountains and parks. They wrote books for children with depicting the dangers of drinking, although those weren't completely honest. I don't know if this part's true, but the video that I watched showed, um, like, a, a quote-unquote reenactment of a lady reading, like, a book about the dangers mm-hmm. of drinking to a class, and it said, like, if you drink, you won't feel good, and then you'll burst into flames and die. They'll uh-huh. be, like, condemned to eternal damnation. So they were, like, yeah. using fear tactics a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. It's interesting. So this was specifically, like, the woman's... Christian? Temperance movement. Christian temperance movement. But if you think about when this happened, almost everybody was Christian and almost everybody was going to church. Ah, in like... 1874. White colonial America. Yeah, yeah. obviously... Well, this is after, like, um, the emancipation stuff. This is, uh, like, these... 1874, there's, like, um, some vehicles... Oh, no, I'm sorry. I was thinking of, like... I should have supposed that they were, like... Indigenous people who I feel like were not participating. Oh no no in this. this is this is like white America. Yeah, um, and then you said colonial, and I was like, I know timelines. No no right, but these are like the descendants of colonial yeah, yeah, yeah. people. Right, I would be interested. Like, were black people allowed to be a part of this Christian Temperance Union thing? I, this was still when segregation was happening, oh, so like yeah. they weren't slaves, but. Okay. I don't yep. know specifically if they allowed like black women in the. Christian Temperance Union, um, but I, I didn't really look into that. I should have. I imagine that, like, the saloons didn't, probably didn't have black men in them. Mm. If you think about, like, think of a photo from, like, when Prohibition ended in the 1920s, it's all white people. Rich white people. Mm. So anyways, for a short amount of time, the WCTU's protests worked, people cut back on drinking, saloons closed, pharmacies stopped prescribing alcohol, because that was the other thing. Is this is when, like, cocaine was a medicine. Pharmacies right. prescribed whiskey for a lot of ailments. Right. Um, Laudanum. Everyone was poisoning each other with yeah. sleeping medication. It was like, oh, you've got a bellyache? Take a shot and do a line. Like, <laughs> you will feel better. <laughs> a little bit. Um, some states even created dry laws, but illegal saloons still existed, and authorities did nothing to enforce the laws. So... Excuse me, one of the ways that this was compared in the video was, like, when you were a kid, did you have LimeWire? 
Yes. Did you download music illegally? Yes. Were you ever arrested? No. Because that's a law, but unless you do something really big, nobody enforces it. Okay. And that's kind of how this was. Like, the cops knew that there were saloons. The authorities were aware, but it was a lot of work, and they weren't being paid enough to deal with it, with the, like, pace that saloons would have been set up again if they had been shut down, basically. Right. And it wasn't like you were just going into a place and being like, go home, everybody. Like, all those people could have had guns and knives and were also drunk, like... So, and this was also, like, it was some states, some cities created laws. It wasn't federal yet. Um, So, enter Carrie Nation. She's pissed. (laughs) She's pissed. A little background. Caroline Amelia Nation was born on November 25th, 1846. She was also known as the Hatchet Granny. We'll get into that. Carrie was married twice and lived until the age of 65. Carrie's parents actually objected to her first marriage because they believed her husband was addicted to alcohol, and she separated from him shortly before the birth of their daughter. He died about a year later from alcoholism. Wow. So her parents weren't wrong. This is why Carrie hates alcohol. Okay. Um, her second husband was 19 years older, which, like, I understand Carrie. <laughs> and had two children of his own, and the couple did not have any children together. So she had one from a previous marriage, he had two from a previous marriage, they chose not to procreate. After her sec, oh, and they also divorced. <laughs> After her second marriage, Carrie received what she describes as a call from God and became an avid member of the WCTU. Carrie saw that authorities were doing nothing to enforce dry laws and to stop the illegal saloons, so, as anyone would, she took matters into her own hands. Starting December of 1884, I wrote 19, but it was definitely 18. <laughs> Carrie began to move through Kansas, smashing saloons and pharmacies. Smashing? By herself? Smashing. Carrie and her home defenders, would ent- which were other women, okay. who were part of the WCTU, they would enter, they entered a pharmacy in 1984. Nation led the group into the store and announced, Mr. Day, the ladies of the WCTU want to see what you have in here. She then said, woman, this is whiskey. And they overturned a keg, rolled it out the door, and smashed the contents on the ground, which they then lit and burned. Wow. She was a badass. I, so this is the part where, like, they got to this part in the video, and I went, I have to research this. <laughs> I have, they brushed right over her. I was like, I need to know more. Uh, Carrie wielded a hatchet and what she described as smashers, which, like, no one really knows what that was, but they assume it was some kind of bag filled with large rocks. <laughs> or something similar. Um, she smashed as many as six bars just in June of 1900, breaking all of their fixtures and alcohol bottles. Wow. She would leave, lead groups of women who would loudly sing hymns behind her while she conducted her smashing. Oh my god. So, like, imagine being in a saloon, drinking your beer, your illegal saloon beer, and in marches this older lady, because she's, like, in her 60s, and a group of 15 women singing your least favorite hymn. Pretend it's like your least favorite part of Catholic Mass that your mom dragged you to when you were 10. And she just starts swinging a bag around, breaking all of the bottles she can, and tables, and light fixtures, and beer taps. Wow. She's like, I'm fucking done. On January 31st in 1901, Nation, with a large group of supporters, marched to Lower Kansas Avenue to visit the saloons and talk with the owners. Tipped off that she was coming, the jointists threw up a barricades in front of their businesses. Upon arriving and seeing the barricades and the jointists peering out from behind them, Nation laughed and called to the men, 
aren't you going to let your mother in, boys? She wants to talk to you. Oh, my God. I love her. Oh, my God. I love her. Like, what? She was she had mad. balls. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I'm like, this kind of, I don't know, like, the prevalence of violence in different communities and knowing these are a bunch of dr- big drunk men. And, and as, like, a... a female in the 1901 wow where like her hot place was in the home and she was seen and not heard and she went i'm gonna take this bag of rocks and i'm gonna smash your shit because you're not listening to my needs wow vocalizing your needs ladies between 1900 and 1901 carrie was arrested 30 different times but never charged, they basically would let her go with a slap on the wrist and go, don't do it again, young lady. And she would go, okay, I promise. And then immediately start smashing more saloons. Wow. 30 times. And they were like, this one, 31st time, she won't do it again. We believe in her. I wonder what she said to them. Like, I wonder... If it's anything like, aren't you going to let your mother and boy, she wants to talk to you? Yeah, <laughs> she had some, she, like, that's a phrase. Like, she right? knew what she was doing. Um, Do you, Did you see a picture of this woman? Yeah, I can show you. She's, she's, I, I want to be her when I grow up. This is Carrie Nation. She's grumpy. Oh my god, That's her with she her hatchet. is grumpy. Y'all should Google her. She, <laughs> she's like, if Grumpy Cat was a woman... With a look with at her a hatchet, hatchet and a Bible, hatchet. Bible, and she always dressed veil. in a full length black dress with a white collar of some sort because wow. that meant temperance. She is serious. Like this person is not messing around. Oh my god! Like this is a cartoon of her smashing a saloon. I so there are lots she's of my pictures idol. of her. Oh yeah, I might need to go as her for Halloween. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. see, like, it's one of those things where it is a great costume, because you just need the veil, the black dress, the and white collar, and, and the hatchet. And I have a box of hatchets. Um, yeah, so that's Carrie. She passed away, I want to say, in, like, 1911. And she was born in 46, and she lived until 65. I think I've got that close enough. She didn't live very far into the 1900s. Any more questions about Carrie? Um. Or thoughts? Thoughts. We're going to leave her behind. We're going to leave her behind. Okay. Do you have any other quotes from her? Like, did she feel successful? There was one, I didn't confirm it, but there was one that I heard where she basically said, this isn't exact because I'm like, right. but she basically said, like, if you want to, women, if you want to feel fulfilled, just go out and smash, smash, smash. Oh my God. Like the Hulk. (laughs) She was like, yeah, that's all you got to do. Bring your smashers with you. Bring your smashers with you. Um, yeah, you know, I'm not normally one to advocate for violence, but... In this case... She was clearly empowered And I don't think this. that she hurt any people, and if she did, it definitely wasn't intentional. She just... Right, right. Like, there were laws, they were breaking them, the police weren't helping, so she said, I'll, I'll do it. I got you. Look at the police counting on this... Old lady and with a bag her of rocks for doing their job. Uh, I don't think that she only smashed illegal saloons though, because there were some oh. counties. She was like uh-huh. all saloons, and only in Kansas. She was like all saloons gotta go. And she like walked around. She was like all over, traveled all over Kansas, smashing. It's I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Um, all of that information I got from Kansapedia. 
about Carrie and the video um, from the YouTube channel Oversimplified. A lot of this is from that video, but specifically I read Kansapedia about Carrie and a little bit of Wikipedia. All right, I'm, I'm ready for what follows after this. So at roughly the same time that Carrie Nation was smashing saloons, the Anti-Saloon League was formed in 1893 in Oberlin, Ohio as a state organization. This became a powerful national organization by, like, 1900-1901, and had branches around the U.S., which allied with the WCTU. Uh, Was this also women? No, this one's men. Oh, okay. So the Anti-Saloon League is men, and so they get a lot more traction, which you'll see, and I I personally believe that in large part it's because it was white men. Ah, okay. Um, Versus Carrie Nation was a single lady, uh, and the WCTU was women, but they ended up allying with the WCTU, and they worked together. The government started fear-mongering against alcohol consumption. This is where our next character comes in, Wayne Wheeler. Wayne Wheeler can suck my dick, and you'll find out why. Okay. We don't like him very much. (laughs) But Wayne Bidwell Wheeler was born on November 12th, 1869. So he's a few years younger than... Carrie, 20 years younger than Carrie. Um, Wayne attended Oberlin College and married Ella Candy, with whom he had three children. Wayne died at the age of 57 in 1927 and was the main crusader in pushing the 18th Amendment. If Wayne didn't exist, neither would Prohibition. Okay, but we don't like him. We don't like Prohibition. But we like Carrie. We love Carrie. <laughs> I'm just getting Carrie right was facts. enforcing the law. Okay. The 18th Amendment, and and I mean, maybe someone else would have pushed it through, but it was due in large part to Wayne Wheeler and his fear-mongering and his lie tactics. Carrie was honest. All right, I see. Carrie I was see. a little aggressive. <laughs> she was a little. But she was always honest. Wayne lies a ton. So. All right, so just, just to clarify, so... The drunkenness, I see. I'm sorry. My rat is laying flat and then twisted the upper part of his body upside down to drink water from his bottle. It looks, water in it, it does look very silly. Okay, buddy. That was absolutely absurd. Sorry. Continue. No. Um, the addiction and drunkenness to the point of not being able to function in society we were against. We are against. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're, uh, and so were these women, and so was Carrie. And because of Prohibition, America's view on alcohol and alcohol consumption changed drastically. So, like, some good did come of it, but a lot of bad came of it, too. Okay, good. So we're gonna get into that part as well. All right, all right. Continue. Um, so, Wayne joined the Anti-Saloon League, which I will thus forward be referring to as ASL, not American Sign Language. It's just easier. In 1893, under the guidance of Howard Russell, Wayne was upset with the WCTU who diluted the issue of alcohol consumption by taking on a number of other issues, such as vegetarianism. Oh, all right. I see you, ladies. So they went, we don't want you to drink, but also here's some other, there was a bunch, but they were along the same lines of like, maybe we shouldn't eat our cows. Maybe you shouldn't be drunk all the time. I'm with Maybe you, Maybe I should be treated with respect. I want respect. 
I don't know. I could hang with just iced tea and juice if it meant I'm cuddling with my cow in the right. field and my man respects me. I, right. I, I get it. I, I'm with it. Um. So the ASL was like, that is not going to get anything done. We only care about drinking and we don't want it to happen. Wayne specifically was not a fan no of excuse. drinking. Thank you. Because um, when he was a child, he lived on his, his family had a farm and one of the farmhands got very drunk during the day, because that was normal, and accidentally stabbed him <laughs> with, <laughs> I think, the way, the way they described it, I think it was, like, a pitchfork. Oh, so he was, like, pitching the hay. Which, like, okay, it was a one-time thing, Wayne, and now his whole <laughs> life has become stopping like, everybody yeah. from drinking. <laughs> so he didn't die. Do we have any more facts about this? I don't even think he was that injured. Like, was he impaled, or was it just, like... No, because if he was impaled... In the late 1800s. He would have died. He would have gotten sepsis. Yeah. I think that, to me, to me, it sounds like he was poked a little bit too hard and overreacted because he's a typical white man. I don't have any other facts. I just have that, like, there was just that line in four or five articles that I glanced over. There was no more information about it. Just a farmhand accidentally poked him with a pitchfork and now he's pissed and nobody can ever drink again. All right. Sorry. I'm still, like... It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's... Okay, yeah. This is just... Wow, there's so many... There's a lot of people who were, like... I mean, for Carrie, it was a major inconvenience for her that her husband was a severe alcoholic and therefore died before his daughter was even a year old. Before his daughter was born, I think, technically. That seems much more traumatic um, But me. there was a lot of people who supported prohibition. It was, like, minor inconveniences caused by alcohol so nobody can ever drink again. Instead of being like, maybe we should drink less, they were like, cold turkey yet. Uh, okay. Because that's the thing. Like, I understand where you're like, people are dying from essentially this drug that they don't know how to use in a safe way versus like, no one is allowed to have any fun. Yeah. And also, we don't care about the cows, so shut up, ladies. So like, sh- like, we're taking over and we're going to get shit done because people listen to men. Blah. Blah. <laughs> okay, continue. Okay. The initial objective of ASL was a law in every state banning the manufacture and sale of alcohol. Wheeler then gained control of the Anti-Saloon League in 1902. Um, I don't remember if Howard Russell died or was just like, I'm done. Here you go. Um, I I truly don't. And went on to try... <laughs> I didn't read about it. I was like, oh, now Wheeler's in, in charge? Got it. I appreciate your honesty. I... I know that for, he did become a lawyer, and for a while he was in control of, like, the law firm in, I want to say it was New York or Chicago, was, like, his, his job, and then Howard Russell, like, peaced out in one way or another. Because he realized this is And Wayne Wheeler took over. That's the hair clip I gave you. It is the hair clip you gave me. How nice of me. Um... So, Wheeler gained control of the Anti-Saloon League in 1902, and then went on to try and control the government. As you do. Wayne, my man. Like... He... And he was also a very small man. You need to know this. He was like 5'6 or 5'7. Very skinny here. I'll look up a picture of him for you. He had a mustache. He had a receding hairline. So he was upset because he couldn't hold his alcohol probably. He for sure had like a Napoleon complex. Okay. I see. Um, He had little dorky glasses. This is Wayne Wheeler. 
Yeah. Oh, that's him from the video that I watched, a little cartoon version. He looks like he would ruin your party by cornering you and being like, hey, have you ever heard of crypto? (laughs) He does. He looks like that guy. Um, Yeah, he was a very small, like, I'm taller than Wayne Wheeler. Wayne utilized single-issue pressure politics to win majority vote and enact laws that banned alcohol. He was actually the first person who, like, in terms of written documentation who used quote-unquote pressure politics oh. now i feel like it's very common oh um, yeah it's pervasive and <laughs> yeah he would but he would do things like he would tell workers that alcohol was used to keep them controllable and then tell factory owners that alcohol was making their workers lazy he would tell the black community that alcohol was hindering their progress and then tell racists that alcohol turned black men into brutes so he was like whatever you want to hear that's going to convince you that i'm right that's what I'm going to tell you. This is why we don't like Wayne Wheeler. Ugh. Do you see the difference between him and Carrie? I do. Okay. Um, he consistently made things up to turn opposing communities toward the same goal and the legal sale and contum- consumption of alcohol. So for the one of the things the video said was like, for the first time and only time ever in history, all groups of people had the same thought. Alcohol consumption is bad. <laughs> I just... I don't want to believe that lies are the only way to, like, unify the nation. I don't think that they are, and I think it was just, like, the quickest way that Wayne could get what he wanted. I see, I see. He was trying to be efficient towards his goal. Um, Which, yeah. yeah. It is interesting now, comparing him and Carrie. Carrie was like, I'm just gonna walk up to your face with a bag of rocks, and I'm gonna knock that bottle out of your hand. And it sounds like she kind of gave him a chance. She was like, hey, this is what I'm here for. Do what I want or I'm going to smash all your alcohol. Um, whereas right. Wayne was like, I'm going to lie to you to get my way. Right, right. So, um, the Ameri- the Anti-Saloon League also utilized a lot of propaganda, which basically depicted any consumption of alcohol to lead to homelessness, poverty, and suicide. So there's one um, picture that's like steps, mm. and it, they go up and then back down. And on the first step, you're, like, taking your first drink, and a couple steps up, you make a couple new friends, and on the top, you're, like, getting rowdy, and then the next, like, it's you and three friends at a table. The next step down, poverty, homelessness, despair, and then it's literally a picture of someone with a gun to their head. Did I see this poster in high school? Because I feel like this isn't too far from what I thought alcohol did to you when I was 14. So I do think that uh, for our Instagram post this week, I'm going to find not that image, but one of their propaganda images. Okay. Um, Because they are interesting. Think of like old school newspaper, um, like those, those like little one picture comics. No, I'm with you. They were all like that. Yes, yes. The Uh, history of yellow journalism, folks. I think we still call it that. Yellow journalism? I thought that's I've what you call never it. heard that term. I think term. that's the term for American propaganda journalism. That would make sense. I just have never heard that. You've never heard that? No. All right. Well. I doesn't, you're probably right about this. I'm, I'm like pretty confident, but I'm going to look that up. Okay. I'll cut it if it's totally wrong. <laughs> okay. Um, Wayne was able to round up support against any politician who was in favor of alcohol, resulting in multiple representatives and a governor being voted out of office in Ohio and replaced with politicians against alcohol and under Wayne's control. So he is now getting his goal and taking control of the government. Wow. Anytime anyone ran pro-alcohol, he would turn everybody against them and they would be voted out and replaced with someone anti-alcohol. Wow. Powerful man. 
and this resulted, understandably, in every politician in the United States being afraid of Wayne and lying about their stance on certain issues to gain his support. Was he rich? Or was he just persistent? I think he was just persuasive. Okay. And he was in in power with the Anti-Saloon League, which gave him a lot of followers. And so there was at least a small population that he could convince to do or say what he wanted, and then they could convince their friends, and it became, uh, like, a big, bigger thing than it should have. So here's where we start to talk about the 18th Amendment. Things... Oh! Excuse you have the hiccups? Me. No, I think that was a burp. That was very cute. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, okay. <laughs> wow. Um, things started to really gear up in 1917 during the First World War. Yeah. We know when World War has happened now. Oh, yes. Been there, done that, folks. Um, the country became very anti-German, in parentheses I wrote, understandably. And so the main brewers in America were German, and Wayne used this to his advantage and connected any consumption of alcohol with pro-German treason. Oh, he was like, you're going to drink alcohol? The Germans brew your alcohol. Now you're supporting the other side. So people were like, well, we, we can't. Like, what? it honestly makes me think of what's happening now with, like, small Russian businesses where it's like the Russian grandma who sells whatever in her little bodega is not connected right. to the invasion of Ukraine. Right. These were, like, German immigrants who were brewing alcohol in the United States... And Wayne was like, you're the bad guy because your homeland is causing all kinds of shit. Right. Right. History fucking repeats itself. <sighs> Anyways, the, um, to fight back, the brewers created their own propaganda, which depicted beer as a healthy and kid-friendly beverage. <laughs> There's, I literally saw a poster where it was like a large man in an apron drinking a beer... And then, like, a mom in, like, a smaller picture feeding it to her baby. And there was, like, words on it about it, like, being good for you. <laughs> Surprise. This didn't work. Right. Okay. <laughs> One of the biggest holdups in introducing prohibition as law was that taxes gained from alcohol made up a large mm. portion of the government's income. And high government officials weren't about to give up their lavish lifestyles. So it was like, we'd, we agree that drinking is bad because we want Wayne on our side, but if we make a law about it and people stop making and drinking, we lose a lot of money. Wayne, of course, had a solution. They lobbied, Wayne and the Anti-Saloon League lobbied for the creation of a new income tax, which made up the difference that passed. An income tax? Mm-hmm. And people were okay with this. They were like, better than alcohol, Wayne. Oh. You have to remember that everyone in high power right now is someone that he put there. Oh, that's right. And is influencing all of their decisions. You know, I just have to jump in really quick and say, uh, I read a book recently called The Once in Future Witches. Okay. Um, and I'm wondering if the author knew about this guy, because her villain is very similar. Hmm. It would take too long to explain it, but it, it ties in um, alternative history of the United States with a uh, history of witch hunting uh, and American politics, and it's... Interesting. This, the villain is very like this, like it's kind of... I do feel like he's almost like a 
a written villain, though. Like, the yeah. way that he's doing things is, like, this is the a book character. The motivation. People aren't like this. Oh, yeah. And, like, the amount of power that he has that just, like, how did he get it? Right. Just social influence. Like, nothing else. It's just very astounding. Yeah. But I also think part of it is time period. Like, I don't think someone who had as little money as him then if they were now, could have done the same thing unless he made himself, like, a huge TikTok star. You know what I mean? Right. That's kind of what he did for the time period with the propaganda and with the talk. Like, he would go and hold, like, rallies and he'd be like, hey, your bosses hate, are making you drink because they hate you. Hey, your workers are drinking because they hate you. And Mm. people would be like, we all hate the same thing now, alcohol. I think he was just, like, a, the most persuasive short man. <laughs> yeah, like Napoleon. Yeah! Okay, so income tax made up the difference. There's no longer any qualms with outlawing alcohol. So okay. then the 18th Amendment is introduced and voted on in the House and Senate in 1917. Um, as wow. we know, it passed, but it wasn't fully implemented until 1920. The ratification of the 18th Amendment lost tens of thousands of jobs for immigrants, but the um, uh, Anti-Saloon League wrote it off as helping because they got rid of the world's greatest evil, alcohol. So people would be like, hey, all of this money is gone. All of these businesses are gone. I don't have a job anymore. And they'd be like, stop complaining. We helped you. We're doing this for your own good, as any manipulative abuser will tell you. This does seem especially cruel, like, in the context that, you know, the whole world is about to be approaching World War One and all the trauma... They're in World War One ...that comes with it. Well, 1917 is the start, right? Yeah, so it... Oh, this was, right. It, they start, like, it had started. Okay, yeah. right. I see So they're, saying. like, actively in it, and... And then they outlawed alcohol? Yeah. They're like, times are tough. Don't drink. <laughs> Time to think about your health. Like, <laughs> okay. Yeah. And you're supposed to think about, like, tens of thousands of jobs for immigrants specifically. At this point in America's history, more than half of people were immigrants. Right, yes. Coming from Germany, from Ireland, from... Italy, yeah. From England, from, Greece. They were all just coming over, and that's how America got populated, which we seem to forget. But... Yeah. Like, all of them, all of America... Excluding few who were born from the original colonialists. But even they were immigrants. Technically. But, like, at this point, I think it was, like, not as qualified. Um, (laughs) Right. Okay. So, anyways. I put little headers in. Um, The next one is law-breaking. Continuing to drink. (laughs) Right. As we all also know happened. (laughs) Yeah. Like, it didn't stop. It actually made things worse because when there are laws around things, you can regulate those things. And there were no laws. So there was no... Well, there, there was a law, and it was don't do it. And so when people continued right. to do it, there was nothing about, like, when. So bars had to close. There's something about, like, legal drinking age. There is... It was like, if you do it at all, you're going to get in trouble. But there's nothing saying when you can do it if you're going to. Right. So, like... No, I see what you're saying. It got worse. Um, but anyways... Although it appeared that many Americans were in favor of prohibition, when really they were scared of Wayne, after the law passed, American people weren't just going to stop drinking. They simply stopped legally drinking. 
just the same thing that'll happen if we outlaw abortions, but that's a conversation for another time. Drinks the White Claw. <laughs> Needed a sip. Great news. The 18th Amendment was full of loopholes. Some that are notable include that making and selling alcohol was illegal, but drinking it wasn't. Ah. That you could keep any alcohol you had prior to the law being enacted. So before it was ratified, when it had passed, a lot of really wealthy people started hoarding alcohol, and it got them through the entire 15 years of prohibition. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, Alcohol was... Sorry. Do you have anything in here about the different ways that people hid their alcohol? No, and I I should have looked that up. Do you know anything? I do know one story. Well, because there's a restaurant in Vermont called the Prohibition Pig. Okay. And it's called that because people would say we're having a a roast, Mm -hmm. like where you roast your pig over, you know, a fire pit. Yeah, Yeah, spigot and invite, you know, everybody over. Yeah, yeah. We've Um, all been to pig roasts, Saren. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. I have not been invited to a pig roast. I've been to a single pig roast in my life, and Jason got me there. Of course he knows people who do that. Ah, uh, yes, I'm sure, yes. Uh, Jason, I'm like, of course Jason has been to a pig roast. But, um, they would hide the alcohol in the innards of the pig oh. body. Okay. And that's how they would bring it to the party. So Very fun. I mean, a little gross, but... Fun. Did you know that they discovered cheese because someone left milk basically in a, in a, like, they used to store stuff like that in, like, the stomachs of dead ants, like... The lining of, of yeah. the stomach of... And they the, left yeah. it in too long and then went, let's see what happens if I eat this. And, and... The, and it was cheese. And it was and cheese. And they started experimenting with, like, different kinds of cheese. Beautiful. I love it. I learned that recently. Because I wanted to know where cheese came from, so I googled it. It was an accident. Like um, all good things... Yeah, <laughs> anyways. Um, alcohol was still allowed as medical treatment. So they could still prescribe oh. alcohol, like whiskey for certain ailments. Ah, yes. Which like, m- oh, you're having a fainting spell. Here, have a brandy. Right, which essentially turned doctors into bartenders. Ah. The prescriptions for whiskey, like, quadrupled. Wow. Suddenly everyone needed it. Hmm, wonder why. And sacramental church wine was allowed, so suddenly oh. everyone was a rabbi to gain access to the wine. Wow. And they would become a, a rabbi specifically. They would become a rabbi. Like a Jewish rabbi. Yeah. Get the wine, sell it for big bucks. Wow. So, like, people were finding so many loopholes. No one, I mean, some people must have, but most people did not stop drinking. It's just crazy. Like, it's just so funny to think everyone was doing all this crazy stuff. But, you know, it's... Very creative. Very creative. When I first started listening to the video, to one of the things they said was, you know what's more American than apple pie? Alcohol. <laughs> like, not wrong. Continue. So, once again, none of the laws were enforced due to the lack of payment from the federal government and the police officers taking bribes to look the other way. So the government said, we're going to pass this law that's really hard to enforce. And the police officer said, okay, we need resources. We need payment. We need, and the government said, no, just figure it out. And they went, well, then we're not going to do it. And people who were bootlegging said, okay, I've made money. What if I pay you and then you don't catch me doing this? And they're like, great, thank you. 
Um, many Americans started making their own moonshine, so the government started adding toxins to the products required to make moonshine to deter Americans. What? They started poisoning people? That was their solution? Yeah, they, whatever products you needed for moonshine, they added toxins, and so a lot of people got very sick and or died. Oh my god, that's terrible. You want to drink alcohol? Try now, bucko. And the, didn't stop. They didn't stop. A lot of people died. They were like, we don't make a connection here. We're not seeing <laughs> it. We're going to keep making and drinking alcohol. Um, crime surrounding alcohol increased rapidly. Right. Alcohol was smuggled in through the sea by bootleggers. So there was a whole portion of the East Coast that was called like the, it was like the bootleg highway or something. And boats would come sort of close. And people would get on their boats and come out and they would take, mm-hmm. take alcohol mm-hmm. and then smuggle it back in. Do you have anything about gangsters in here? Oh, we're getting there. Okay, all right. I was like, because that, in my mind, that's what I think of. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's our next, let's talk about gangs. Okay, oh. This is a whole category. Oh, okay. Uh, we're, we're getting there. Um, some bootleggers became billionaires and even sold to, like, members of Congress. Police chiefs. It was like no one was off limits. Huh. Because people only really supported this because, for some reason, Wayne had a ton of power that he shouldn't have had, and so almost nobody, like, followed through once the amendment was passed. Ah. Which I also think it's interesting that they, they amended the Constitution instead of just making, like, a federal law. They're like, this must be as permanent as possible. No alcohol. Yeah, that is interesting, actually. Now that you mention it. Yeah. Um, when criminals were prosecuted, which was rare, it was very extreme. In one case, a mother in, I think it was I didn't write it down for some reason, but I think it was like Ohio area, maybe Michigan, was sentenced to life in prison for making moonshine. Oh my god. What? One offense. Life. So they barely cut anybody, they barely enforced it, but when they did enforce it, they went hard. Because they wanted to scare people. It was like one extreme or the other. Huh. And I don't think that there were as many, I don't know for sure, but I don't think there were as many laws surrounding like Here's the max sentence for this crime. It was kind of like at the judge's mercy. I mean, I feel like this is evident through the whole thing, but, like, it it is interesting thinking about the parallels to, like, marijuana. Right. Um, Where, like... Kind of a similar journey. Not as bad. Or worse, I guess, in some ways. Well, it's different because it wasn't like there was a... Everyone... Everyone was using it. Children, young and old alike, and then it was hard, hard stop. Yeah, it was always illegal, and then suddenly it's starting to not be, but there's still, like, the criminalization of, like, the sentences and stuff that people are getting. And, like, there are states where marijuana is legal now, but the people who were convicted are still in jail. Right. Which is dumb, too. Like, if, if there was other charges, sure. But if their only charge was having or selling marijuana, stupid. Right. And it's like people's, you know, people have said all over the internet and everywhere that, you know, it it was always legal if you were rich. You right. Um, if you were rich and white. Right. Always legal. Um, which is just, like, same same deal. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, ba 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 One time, one big-time bootlegger, George Remus, was a former lawyer. He was defending clients who got in trouble for bootlegging and saw how rich they were and how they could basically, like, pay their way out of things. And he went, this is the business for me. I would like to make more money. 
He created a fake drug company, because remember, pharmacies can still have alcohol, and he, but would buy whiskey. And then he created a fake transport company to transport his whiskey. And then he would send his transport company out and have other employees who would stop it and rob it, basically. His own? Wait. So he, he created a fake drug company, bought a bunch mm-hmm. of whiskey, mm-hmm. put them on his own transport mm-hmm. trucks, yes. sent them out, yes. and then would stage a robbery. Stage a robbery of his truck with his whiskey. So someone would be like, this is a holdup. Give me your whiskey. Yeah. And the driver would be like, no. And then all the whiskey would go back to him. Oh. So it looked like he was procuring it legally. So oh. he didn't have to go through all, all the, the hoops of smuggling. And you then, call that avoiding the hoops of smuggling? <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, to all right. a degree, and then he would sell it for like a huge upcharge. Huh. Um. Eventually, he was charged with violating the. There's like an act that came with the amendment, and I can never remember what it's called. He was charged with violating it three thousand times. <laughs> this is also important. The lady who created moonshine and got caught once, life. He got, like, three years or something stupid. Oh, my God. 3,000 times. While he was in jail, his wife promised to stay and wait for him and take care of all of his money and do whatever. She actually ended up selling a bunch, selling, spending a bunch of his money, hooking up with a prohibitionist, running away, and he came home to an empty house and no wife. And he was mad. Well, I mean, he didn't sound like a good guy. I'm pissed. If I was her, I feel like... Mm, I might have gone that route as well. Like, but to be like, I'll be here, baby, and then spend all of his money. I feel like both of them were a little skeezy. Um, okay, maybe. All right. Maybe him more so, but he then, so he's home, he's out of jail, he's pissed. You okay? I needed to put the clip out of my hands, so I didn't make clippy clicking Oh, I heard the noise and thought that you, like, hurt yourself and then the way that you did it so rapidly and switched the hand of your beer I was like very concerned um what was I saying oh then he was driving around one day and happened to see her oh no he was walking around one day and happened to see her in a car got in a taxi and said follow that car the taxi was like if you're paying me I'll do what you say (laughs) caught up to her murdered her see that's why she left because she knew and she lied to him because she knew he was a crazy Murderer man. All right. Turned himself in. Confessed to the murder. Went on trial, defending himself, being his (laughs) own lawyer. Oh, no. Claimed insanity. (laughs) It worked, Aaron. (laughs) He didn't go to jail for murder. Of course it worked. The jury felt bad for him for some reason. and. Produced a not guilty verdict. And it's not like now. Like, now if you claim insanity, you you don't go to jail, but you go to, like, a psych ward and you live there for whatever your sentence is. He just got to go home and keep living his life after murdering his wife and violating the law 3,000 times. Oh, God. I'm mad about this. I forget what his name was. Fucking George Remus. Get the fuck out of here. Wow. What are your feelings on that bullshit? I'm distracted. That was a weird noise. That was a weird noise. That was a bit of like a bird noise. It was supposed to be a burp, but it got stuck. It got stuck. Right here. 
I'm sorry. Um, uh, right, so I have read a lot of period mystery novels, and claiming insanity is a common tactic, was a very common tactic. Still kind of is. I've been watching a lot of true crime YouTube, where you can just watch the interrogation of people who murder other people. You do this for fun. (laughs) While I'm working. Okay. Uh, And people still try and claim insanity. It's much harder to do now. You have to get, like, a whole evaluation. Well, sure. Yeah. Um, Excuse you. Thank you. Uh, So, it's like I have read books where it is a good guy who didn't do it, but the only way they could get get out of going to jail for life for the thing they didn't do is claiming insanity. That makes sense. So they have time to, like, solve the mystery, but they have to, like, pretend they're insane at the same time. Um, anyway, that was a fun... I don't think he even pretended. I think he was just in court and been like, and was like, I was, I was crazy. I know that he cried a little bit and he told weird jokes. Then he was like, please don't convict me. My wife left because I'm a dick. And Um, they were like, so this was all men in this courtroom. Well, a jury of your peers. And at this point, peers means men. And they went, we, we relate, buddy. And they're like, ah, she left and took your money. Oh man. I, yeah. You are a rich white man. You can do whatever you want, friend. God, horrible. Yeah. This poor woman. She probably thought she had made her escape. Married a, a happy prohibitionist. Yeah. Ugh, I feel sad. I'm pissed for her. Yeah. And for women everywhere. Yes. Because this this dickhead. Where were you, Carrie? <laughs> Dead. <laughs> this is this is now like nineteen thirty twenty oh, late nineteen twenties. Oh, she was dead. dead. She was very dead. If she Carrie died had been in, like, there, 1901 or something. It would have been different. It would have been. She would have smashed the fuck out of him. <laughs> um, don't worry. There's another really great female protagonist that comes up oh, in a good. little bit. All right. Continue. So. Enter speakeasies. Oh, Leaving him behind yeah. with his getting off. In more ways than one. Ah. Uh. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> What? <laughs> Sorry. Why I was you... making a masturbation joke, but he also got off on, like, the murder charges. <laughs> <laughs> it's just where my brain goes, because I am 12. <laughs> <laughs> okay, please, please continue. Yes, ma'am. Um, so after a while, quote-unquote super secret bars called speakeasy started popping up. They weren't that secret because everybody knew about them, knew how to find them, and knew the passwords to get in, including police, congressmen, government officials, authority figures. Again, no one really supported this stupid fucking amendment except for Wayne Wheeler and everybody hates him. Where is Wayne? He dies in... Hold on, I forget. So wait, he he dies and everyone just doesn't come forward and say... That's All right, scary. everybody. He's, he's dead now. So he Wayne was... died in 1927. So he's probably still alive around this time, but he's like, he's dying. <laughs> um, but but okay. like it wasn't like he prep like he did pressure people, but it wasn't like that was it. Like there was an amendment passed, right? So he had to really. Some people were truly convinced. Yeah, and yeah. at at some point, it became like well. I'm supposed to believe this, so I do. So, okay. Because he was there for seven out of 15 years of the Prohibition. That's about half. 
He got that shit passed that was like, I'm out. Um, he was finally, <laughs> was at peace with the, <laughs> yeah. the person who accidentally scratched him with a pitchfork. <laughs> right? He was like, I got my fucking revenge. <laughs> um, okay. So then there were like polls taken. It said drinking was down because legally it was, but it was actually significantly higher, like we talked about, because there was no laws regulating it. Um, oh, here's Wayne again. In response, Wayne introduced even stricter laws, which ended up clogging up the court system. So it it went from like, don't don't make it, or you'll go to jail for life. But if you're a rich white man, a couple of years. Uh, to like, if I see you thinking about alcohol, you're put away. Yeah, that sounds like. <laughs> The idea of these laws, like, still reminds me of how we talk to anyone around the age of 16 about alcohol. Yeah. It it makes me think of the gym teacher from Mean Girls. Yes. If you have sex, you will get pregnant and you will die. Right. This is... If you drink alcohol, you will become addicted and you will fall into poverty and then you will kill yourself. Yeah. That was what they were telling people and people were believing it and still drinking, but illegally. <laughs> Um, but because it clogged up the court system so much, eventually judges would just let people off with, like, small fines. They'd be like, everyone, $50, go away, which is, like, a lot of money for them. But, um, then they could get to, like, real crimes, like murder. (laughs) Speaking of murder, let's talk about gangs. Okay. Due to the opportunity for lots of money-making, mobsters became big. There was definitely, like, some mob stuff happening prior to this. Yeah, of course. The, the Italian mobs yeah. and whatever. But it was, like, the oh, mafia. now, now it's a big deal because now we have a huge, like, it's not just I want to kill people because they made me mad, huge money-making opportunity. Uh, rival gangs began battling, so there was a lot of murder, and every city had lots of gangs, but Chicago was the worst. Ah, uh. Um, ah. Chicago the Musical Interlude. Aha! <laughs> do, 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 do. Oh, that jazz. I was in Chicago the Musical in high school. You were? And I had a lot, I had a role in every song except for two of them. And at one point, I played a really sexy lady who murdered her partner and his two mistresses in bed with a machine yeah. gun. And at one point, I played a man backing up Roxy. Yeah. I went all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. During one scene where, like, Roxy and Velma are talking, I think it's right before the song um, where they're like, pop, six, squish, uh-uh, Cicero, Lipschitz. He had it coming. Yeah. Oh, that's what it's called. Uh, right before that scene they, like, sit down and have a conversation about it, and there was, like, four or five of us that were just, like, background characters in little, like, silk black nineties, and I was one of those. I was one of the, one of the jail sluts. Um, that was one of my favorites, because I didn't have a main role, which, like, sad about it, but I was also shy about singing in front of people, but I was... very, I mean... I was literally in almost every scene, and I costume changed, like, eight times. Like, I was the most involved person, because I could dance... And the person who did all of our choreography, to this day, thinks that I am a saint and loves my guts. So, I got in everything. No, it's a great, it's a great musical to be an ensemble member. Oh, yeah. Um. Anyways, 
Oh, I got to be a full-on puppet during Roxy's, yeah. Oh, you like, press conference. Yeah. There was, like, ten of us who were puppets, oh. and I had to, like, dance with my arms up and, like, like a blank look on my face and do this a lot. It was ugh, golden. Loved that song the most. I got put in a straight jacket when I was Go to Hell Kitty when I was shooting my, my yeah. partner. I got put in a straight jacket, and we walked back on stage, and my friend Ethan... Um, who is now married to my other friend, and they're having a baby. He was, like, the lawyer person who, like, did the, like, and where'd you come from? And so I walked onto the stage, and he said something to me, and part of my role was to, like, get pissed at him and bite him. And I was supposed to, like... bite him? His hand. Like, he puts out his hand to shake it, and I have a straitjacket on, so I just lean forward and bite it. And I was supposed to do, like, a stage thing, like a fake... And on the the opening night, I just leaned forward and just fucking bit his hand. <laughs> he was like, "What? <laughs> like what is?" It was a very genuine reaction. Um, and on like night two or three, the people who were supposed to untie me from the straitjacket forgot, and I was standing backstage like, "Guys, can someone like I can't I can't get out like it was a straight it was a legitimate straitjacket, like I'm stuck." Thankfully, Megan was one of the stage crew, so she helped me. Oh, good. Anyways, back to gangs. Yeah. <laughs> that was a little bit tangenty. It was relevant. Um, bum, bum, bum. Oh, I was going to say in Chicago, um, there was a couple of different rival gangs, and they all kind of, like, agreed on territories, essentially, and said, we'll all stay in our spot, and then we can all exist here. But because they're criminals and don't follow rules, that didn't last very long. <laughs> and they started going across each other's territories and murdering each other for it. Specifically, after an attempted murder by a rival gang, the leader of the Italian Southside gang decided to quit. He said, this is too much. Someone just shot me. I'm going to New York. Peace. You know who became the leader of the gang after that? Who? You know him. You love him, Al Capone. Oh, oh! That's is... how that's how he gained his gang empire. Someone tried to kill the original leader, and he said, "No fucking thank you." Left and, and peaced out. Oh wow! Interesting. So Al Capone's in charge now. Also, you know his nickname was Scarface. Yeah, he reportedly hated being called Scarface. It was because he was knifed yeah. as a child. Um, and preferred the name Snorky. <laughs> I don't know where the name Snorky comes from. I just know he doesn't like being called Scarface. Oh. Have you seen the movie, Scarface? Nope. Okay. Erin, I don't watch movies. It's a very famous movie. I've not seen Titanic, also very famous. I only recently watched Matrix, also very famous. Alright. That's fine. My point is made. Yes. I'm not opposed to it. I just, like, have never sat down and been like, tonight I'll watch Scarface. Just, like, someone else has to tell me I'm doing it and give me snacks and wine and I'll do it. Okay. For future reference. I'm surprised you haven't seen the Titanic, though. I thought that would be... That, at this point, like, it was... For a while, it was like, I just haven't done it. Like, like same thing. Like, I don't own it. There was no streaming services when I was in high school. Like, you had to... Netflix sent you DVDs in the mail, yeah. people. Yeah. It was a big one. There was, like, a little bit of residual in there. Um, so it just, it, it, for a long time was like, I, I don't have access to it. Like, I don't know what you want me to do. Um, and now it's become a point of like, I know the plot. I've seen enough 
memes and pieces that like I could piece it together. I won't because I'm 20, almost 28 years old and I haven't. So I feel like at this point it would be ruining my reputation to watch it. I respect the commitment. I do feel like I've seen it just from the amount of like images and memes and, oh, but you know what? and it, clips. It's a, but like, it's a very long movie. And it's dramatic, isn't it? Yeah, it's dramatic. Well, it's a and love it's, story. And it's young Leo. I don't do well with, like, sappy romance. Oh, it's... I it's, can watch, like, a rom-com, and I can watch a horror film, but you want me to watch a romantic movie where someone dies for someone else based off of real events? Nah. Oh, see, I would describe a rom-com and a horror movie as sappy, and that is, like... You know. You describe a horror movie as sappy? Some of the love, the love moments in a horror movie. Uh, 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 eh. Eh. Anyway. He's doing it again. Okay, Why but hold on. Why are we on. drinking like this? But hold on. Dude, your balls are out. Have you seen the, the... Notebook? Uh, no. No, I haven't. Continue. Well, first of all, no. I I mean, I understand people's interest, but I would not compare the notebook to the Titanic. Well, you were saying that, and it was only... I would, yeah, I was going to suggest the steamy car scene in the Titanic. Oh, I thought you were listing another movie. No. Uh, I'm hung up on the Titanic here. I'm like, Kate Winslet, Leonardo DiCaprio... I don't think that I have. The ocean... Uh, all right. For a long time, I had never seen a single Leo movie. Oh. I think I watched the one that he ended up winning the Oscar for, finally. I remember it was a lot of drama. The Revenant? The one where he's like... I definitely didn't see that one. It was like him... He wore suits. There was a casino involved. He wore suits. Oh, The Great Gatsby. Ah, yes. I've seen that one. All right, folks. I'm sorry. Hannah and I talking about movies (laughs) is just a silly conversation, so we would just... This is what they come here for. Um, Me anyways. being like, what? What? Al, Al okay. Snorky Capone. All right. Snorky. Back to Snorky. Uh, he likes to talk to the media. So for the most part, mafia leaders, gang leaders, they were very low-key. They didn't want their names out there. They don't want people to see them because they didn't want to get caught. Al Capone was like, no, I want to be famous. I want to have press conferences. I want to talk to you guys. He would mildly admit to things without, like, Actually admitting. So he wouldn't say I murdered somebody, but he'd be like, they pissed me off so I took care of it. Like, and people would be like, murdered? He'd be like, that's funny. No. Uh, uh. So, and, and again, rich, white, well, Italian man. So he would bribe people and he'd get away with it. He bribed officials and police to avoid conviction. It's the next line. I believe, no, you're, yes, yes. Um, at the time, President Hoover was in power And he ordered, he was also a very active Prohibition supporter. What are you thinking? You made a motion. When is the Depression? Because I thought Herbert Hoover was the president during the Depression. He is. It's coming up. Okay. We're almost to the Depression. We'd like to thank you, Herbert Hoover. Were you even Annie the Musical? I was not in it, but I have seen it. For really showing us the way. It's very, they have a very fun satirical song about Herbert Hoover. Um... He, yeah, the pro, the Depression is, is coming. Okay. <laughs> the, dep- <laughs> um, the Depression is actually part of what ends Prohibition, but we'll get there. Right. Okay. Um, so. Yes. This is all coming back to me. We're, history class from high school is like, like I don't slowly. think, I don't think I learned. Either I totally spaced out for all of my history classes, so it's amazing I got those grades, but I don't remember any of this, so it's also possible I wasn't taught properly. 
One of my history teachers liked to actively talk about how great he was and nothing else. And one of them was super pervy and old. So I showed up and I was female and I passed. Oh God, I'm sorry. Oh yeah. Fun times. Uh, anyways, Hoover ordered that Capone be taken care of, but that, sorry, but that had to be put on hold because there was a lady politician who was making moves. Also, I don't remember if it's in here, so I just do want to say that, let's just see real quick, let me do a little quick skim. Oh no, I do, I do mention it, so I will let you know, eventually Al Capone does get caught and I'll let you know about it in a little bit. So, lady politician. Super important. Oh, is this our next lady protagonist? Yes. Pauline Sabin. It could be Sabin. S-A-B-I-N. I, I want to say Sabin. Um, Pauline Sabin was born on April 23rd, almost my oh, birthday, hey. 1887. She was married in 1907 and had two sons and then divorced her first husband and married again in 1916. Pauline lived until the age of 68, dying in 1955. Originally, Pauline did support the Prohibition Movement, but seeing how much crime it created, she started to lobby against it. This is my favorite part of Pauline. She was very wealthy. I don't I don't know if it was, like, old money or what she did or if she took money from her husband's. She had a mansion, and while supporting Prohibition, had a secret wine room in her mansion. Like, secret door kind of shit. Okay, okay. I see um, Pauline. I want to be a combination of Carrie and Pauline <laughs> as a grown up. Uh, Hatchets, wines, secret wine rooms, secret wine rooms, rich, rich. <laughs> Pauline was highly influential in the Republican Party and was actually New York's first female representative of the Republican National Committee. So that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, Republican in, and in like nineteen thirties. You know what I mean? Like. The no, first that, female representative? Like, no, damn, that's, son. That's is impressive. I just wanted to make a note that I think, like, policy-wise, Republican and Democrat... Had, they, like, they swapped. Yeah, it had different connotations. Um, I think that they swapped, though... Before this. But before this, but... But even still... It was it was a little bit... Republicans were a little bit less conservative and Democrat. They were more middle of the road, both of them. Right. Um, it's become extreme in the last, like, I don't know, eight years... Couldn't tell you why. I think it's the last 20 years, better to say, our whole life, the course of our lifetime. Well, I, was, I was just thinking, like... Oh, yes. In, in the recent history, like, yeah, especially yeah. so. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, I'd say since. Yeah. She started the... Pauline started the Women's Organization for National Prohibition Reform. N-O-N-P-R. Sorry, W-N-P-R. I know what letters are. Uh, in 1929 and petitioned Hoover to end prohibition, but he would not budge. This is a theme. Hoover loves prohibition. Ugh. Then, gang violence hit an all-time high when Irish mobsters were led to an abandoned warehouse under the pretense of buying illegal alcohol to sell, and they were lured there by a rival gang who dressed as police officers who lined them up against a wall and murdered them all. This sparked outrage. This was like, okay, you've all crossed a line. The murder was okay when it was, like, fair. Now we're done. People blamed Prohibition for the violence. We're on the last page. Excuse me. 
Uh, Hoover began to look into ending Prohibition, but most of his energy was spent on trying to nail down Al Capone, who was eventually got on tax evasion. Tax so, like, evasion? So, like, Al Capone went and had a conversation with, like, a police officer or a media person or something, and, um, they were like, you did the murders, we know you did the murders, like, come on, you did the murders. And you did like, the murders. He was like, I did not do a single murder, I have not, I have not, <laughs> I have not done one, not one in my life, and they were like, okay, you're, you're so goddamn rich, how'd you do it? And he went, can you keep a secret? And they are like, absolutely, Al Capone, I can keep a secret. And he went, tax evasion, I don't pay a single tax. And they went, you're arrested. He got the worst sentence to date at that time for tax evasion, it was like 15 years. Because really, he was convicted for doing the murders. But they finally caught him, he admitted to tax evasion, so... Al Capone, all that scheming and lying. And he was like, I'll tell you a secret. I don't pay my taxes. (laughs) They were like, buddy, you murdered people. He was like, that's a funny joke. Anyways, taxes, never heard of them. I don't need streets to be taken care of or my schools to be supported. Taxes, forget about it. (laughs) Um, Okay, and then in 1929, the stock market plummeted and the Great Depression began. I just have a question. Yeah. So, this is all happening during World War One. I. I remember when World War One ends, though. Well, it World started War, in 1917. The end of World War One, I, I think, has to do with the stock market plummeting and the beginning of the Great Depression. Because during the war, America was making tons of money, right? Oh, we, no. World War One went from 14 to 18. Oh, so, okay. So, it ended right before Prohibition. But it had oh, a big... Okay. So, the things that I read were wrong. I thought thought it went longer than that, but okay. Yeah, I don't know. Um, That's what Google just told me. I did a quick Google. All right. So World War I is over at this point. Okay. All right. Because we're getting into the 30s, right? So we're getting closer to World War II. Oh, yeah, yeah, because that was 39. Yeah. Maybe that's what you're thinking Oh, I see. So Prohibition was, like, in between the World Wars. Yeah. We have the Great Depression. It went 20 to 35. Right, because the Great Depression, and then we have World War II, and people are, like, gung-ho World War II, and, okay. Because jobs. Right. Okay. So in 1929, the stock market plummeted. Can I just say, it's yeah. so funny how this kind of like fills in... All the gaps that we yeah. had in, in the third episode now of Because now it's like, yeah, it's like, oh, World War One Prohibition, Hoover messes things up, Great Depression, Depression. Well, crash, crash of the stock market, Great Depression. Prohibition ends. Prohibition World ends. World War Two. Yeah. Love it. Love to see it all come together. Um, (laughs) Okay, yes, please continue. People believed that one fix to the Great Depression would be to repeal Prohibition as it would create jobs and tax revenue, but Hoover continued not to budge. Hoover! He was like, oh, I actually would prefer if we didn't have any money and also no one consumed alcohol unless it was illegal and supported all of the gangs. Suck my dick. I mean, I think I had... I I mean, I knew... uh, People didn't have good feelings for Hoover, but, like, this is... Someone actually, like, pulled a report for him with statistics where he was like, okay, t- tell me if Prohibition is working, and they were like, it's great, it makes people feel bad about themselves, and he was like, it's great, that's what I heard, it's great, we'll keep it. And they were like, no, no, like, it's great destroying our economy, and he was like, great, awesome, you're fired, awesome, love it. Oh, wow. Like, he was in serious denial. 
please. please I tell don't me. know Ho- Hoover's Hoover. <laughs> I don't know Hoover's backstory to hating alcohol. It could be also a farmhand. <laughs> uh, maybe I'll look it up later. Um, during the re-election year, our gal Pauline said, Hoover, you're not doing what I want, but this guy, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, he's helping me out. He's on the right side as me. I'm going to endorse him. And because of her position and her wealth, she was able to convince millions of Americans to also endorse FDR, who promised to make reforms to prohibition, and he mm-hmm. won the election in a fucking landslide. Mm. No surprises. Congress, right before, so it was like FDR was elected, not in office yet, you know, that little gap between, like, election and inauguration. Yes, where the musical Annie takes place. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) they started the... (laughs) Okay, well, (laughs) listen. (laughs) Anyways, Congress began the process during the musical Annie to pass the 21st (laughs) Amendment to repeal Prohibition. After Hoover was... Sorry, after FDR was officially elected, it passed in 1933 and was ratified by 1935. People began to drink in bars, gangs moved from booze to drugs, and some states continue to remain dry, including some today that still have forms of dry counties and dry laws, but not to the same degree. And that's what I have on on the prohibition for you. Ah, I feel like I learned so much. I just really wanted to talk about our, our, our... what? Our gals, Carrie and Pauline. <laughs> Carrie and Pauline coming through. Pauline was basically like, Hoover, you're going to do what I say or I'm going to find someone who will. And he was like, fuck you, Pauline, you silly lady. <laughs> then she was like, FDR. And FDR was like, fuck yeah, let's go. Yeah. Secret wine room? I'm into it. Well, yeah. FDR, I think, had a lot of big ideas, you know. The New Deal. That's all him. Yeah. Um, You know, he wanted us to have trains and streets and railroads and social structures to support us. Yes. Um, so... And, and not be in a depression. And not be, and not be depressed. <laughs> and also have alcohol. So he was like, ah. and everybody, open your wine cellars. Pauline, my lady, unhatch the secret door. There was also a shift where, like, prior to Prohibition, men and women couldn't drink together, but because of the, like, speakeasies and shit, it all became way more lax, and so... Well, right, you had the roaring... Twenties. Twenties. Yeah. Flappers, short dresses, drinking, sipping champagne. Which was all illegal, which I didn't realize, I guess, that that's when this happened, but... um, The Great Gatsby. Yeah. Do you think I really paid attention? Oh, The Great Gatsby. I don't think that was it. No, you know what movie I saw? The narrator's back from the war. You know what movie I saw? Because it wasn't The Great Gatsby. Wolf of Wall Street. Oh. That was the Leo movie that I saw. I just remembered. Oh, interesting. It's the only one that I've ever seen that he was in. Oh, you should watch The Great Gatsby. I read The Great Gatsby in school. I didn't connect it to The Great Depression or Prohibition. Now I know. Right. Yes, so he's throwing these lavish parties. There's alcohol. There's alcohol. It's illegal. It's illegal. But there are ladies. But there are so ladies. Then, <laughs> repeating. <laughs> so then at the end of Prohibition, they're like, ladies and men together drinking and flirting. We love it. And now we're all sluts. You can blame FDR for how slutty I get on a bottle of wine. <laughs> Yes, it's all FDR's fault. No, not me. Not I. Me and tequila, FDR. No, you know whose fault it is? Pauline. 
It's Pauline's <laughs> fault that you hand me two shots of tequila and I hand you my boobs. <laughs> you know, if we're all working towards a more peaceful world for everyone, maybe that's just the way it should be. Everybody should have their boobs out all the time. I'd be happy. The tits would be free. Free the free the tits. Free the nipple. Free the nipple, free the world. Yeah, so that's that's it. That's what I got for you. That was so informative, Hannah. Thank, Thank you. you. I did a lot of research instead of work today. Beautiful. Well, I, I think, I like to think our readers, listeners. I wish they were reading because those notes don't make sense to anyone but me. <laughs> listeners are educated. Um, that's a little bit of, uh, yeah, American history facts for you folks. Not my normal genre. No, which is why I was surprised, but very happily so. I, I felt like it was necessary. We're in the 2020s. I don't want this to happen again. No, I, no, I don't. Although it is so odd though, which like, like all the things going on and people pushing so hard to pass, uh, pat, whoa, mm. pass marijuana legislation that, you know, makes it legal. But then there's all these all these issues, you know, with who's trying to do it, who's trying to make money from it, who's losing, who's benefiting. Um, And people saying, like, life is hard enough. Like, let people, you know, smoke their pot. Let people smoke their fucking pot. God. Right, right. It's not that hard. We had, you know, in, what was it, 19... Before the 1920s, they had their influenza... We had ours. Are you talking about, like, the the flu of 1912 or whatever? No. I mean, I guess maybe that's what it was called. It was was the flu of something. Hold on, I'll look it up. The flu of 19... The flu... Because this was pre... This was, um... Before the 1920s. There was a... Oh, that says Duke. Hold on. I can't type. F L U. Nineteen eighteen. Yes. Yeah. You're right. Yes. I was very close. Um. So yeah, the parallels are weird, and uh, concerning all around. <laughs> Maybe, somebody time traveled. Wayne Wheeler, show yourself. <laughs> I'm pissed. <laughs> Anyways, this episode was definitely far too long. No, Thank it was the exact same length that they always are. We go a little. You're right. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for sticking around. Hope you enjoyed yourself. We hope you have a great week, a great month. Eat your vegetables. Drink your water. Stay healthy. Stay hydrated. Stay well. We love you, friends. We love you, friends. We're out. We are out. Mm-hmm.